Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's February the first, twenty twenty-three, which. Paul Perot tells me makes tomorrow Groundhog Day. So we will deal with that a little bit later in uh, in our conversation. But today, on this 1st of February, 2023, I want to encourage you to consider love. going to be lots of attention paid this month to the topic of love. I don't know if you've been out and about, but if you have, there are hearts everywhere. There are declarations of love uh, in all kinds of um well paraphernalia mhm mhm and um yeah and when you start thinking about february the 14th if you haven't started thinking about it already uh lots of emphasis and focus on that particular day on the topic of love and so it gives us i think as christians a really good opportunity to um make christ known make god known to others uh jesus actually says that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love. And so today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Great, great chapter to read on the topic of God's love and the nature of God's love and who God is as love. Um, and so just these couple of verses from 1 Corinthians 13 today as you're growing your faith verses of the day. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. So that is um, part of the description of the love of God. Um, And again, this month of February, lots of attention will be focused on love um, and so I think that is, you know, again, as Christians, um, good opportunity here in the culture. Are you familiar with the conversation heart? Do you have some conversation hearts? I don't really, you know, not a big fan of the ones that basically taste like chalk. Those are not my favorite. But now, like, Sweet Tarts makes conversation hearts. Like, there's other conversation hearts out there, not just the old-fashioned kind, although those are delightful as well. Um I want you to consider for a moment what God's version of the conversation heart might be. And consider today's verses as inspiration for that. What if you had conversation hearts that just said the word patience or the word patient, the word kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude, maybe maybe framing those positively, um, a conversation heart that, you know, does I celebrate you or has the word humble on it or polite. Love does not demand its own way, says 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So what does that look like? Well, that means that love puts others first. 
So maybe a conversation heart that just says you first. <laughs> love is not irritable. Quite the contrary. Love rejoices. What would it look like for a conversation heart to say, I rejoice over you? And you say, well, that's more than you can print on one of those tiny hearts. Okay, so make some out of paper and write on them anyway. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That means that love forgives. Do you need to give somebody a conversation heart this February that just says, I forgive you? I am forgiven and I forgive you. If you were going to make a batch of conversation hearts that communicated the heart of God, what would you put on them? Like, this is a fun, uh, this is a fun project or exercise. Like, you know, make some Valentines this year. Uh, Make some conversation hearts this year and talk about the true love of God as expressed in John chapter three or just the declaration that God loves us in John 15. Maybe you want to write a conversation heart that says crazy for you and use John 6. Maybe you want to use Psalm 119.94 and just on your conversation heart, write, I am yours. It's the declaration of God to us. I am yours. Or maybe you want to use the declaration, be mine, from Isaiah 43.1. There are all kinds of um, conversation hearts that you and I can put forth this year as our Valentines. Maybe something has come to mind as we've been talking already. Send me your conversation heart ideas and I'll put them together. Um, Text them to me, 877-933-2484. If you were going to make some conversation hearts during this month of February to express the love of God during the month of love, what um what would you say? What passage of scripture or what word would you put on there? Maybe you want to offer a hug from Deuteronomy 33:27. You get the idea. Text me your ideas 877-933-2484. You're listening to listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Gerald Crouch is going to join us next and we're going to talk about some of the most often misunderstood or taken out of context verses of the Bible. That's up next. Joining us now, Pastor Daryl Crouch. Uh, you can find him at everyoneswilson.org. Daryl, welcome back. Good morning. Happy month of love. Well, well, thank you. Nobody's ever said that to me, Carmen. So I appreciate the, uh, you know, the greeting this morning. It's good to be with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, um. I I was thinking as actually I was in a conversation and somebody used a passage of scripture, a verse of scripture, you know how from time to time people will like whip out a few words from the Bible and use them in a way that they hope will slay you. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of those was whipped out in that way. And it got me thinking, you know, there are a lot of times we probably uh, misuse passages of scripture. And there are a few that just came immediately to mind. And I thought maybe we could talk through those today and the importance of context and not um, not taking God's word and using it in a way that he did not intend. Yeah, it's really important. And and I really appreciate um, just the attention to that. And you, you um, by the way, 
um, daily, you know, help people walk through this well. So I, I appreciate your attention to it. And all of us um, probably that are listening and that even will take the Bible out of context sometimes, I just want to say, you know, thanks for reading the Bible and thanks for being interested and and that your your desire to to grow in grace and to apply the scripture, you know, we I want to encourage people in that. And uh, sometimes even when we don't do it well, it's better than not doing it at all in terms of just our our seeking of the Lord and growing in grace and all of those things. So I want to be uh, really encouraging to people along the way. We've we've put a lot of verses on our coffee mugs and maybe in our art uh, around our house. And uh, we, we, we are very sincere and we want, you know, we want to live out our faith. Uh, but it is really important to your point that, that we understand what's happening in the text and that um, the text is what drives us uh, and reveals to us ultimately the heart of God. And, and it, you, you mentioned context. And as we read the scripture, it's really important to, to, to back up a little bit and ask, the questions, what what's around this text? What what is the author saying? Not what do, not do what do we think the author might be meaning, but what does the text actually say? There's grammar, uh, there's syntax, and we we take a lot of that for granted because we've we've been reading for a while, so we get all of that. But it's really important that we back up and ask what's what's the theme of the book. What's the theme of that paragraph, that chapter? Uh, none of us like to be taken out of context, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a long conversation or, a, or an important conversation with my wife or with a friend, and that person just latches on to one word I used or one sentence I used out of an entire conversation and doesn't have context, well, that's going to distort what what I was saying. And so I think it's really important that we give the Bible that that same kind of approach that we back up and we ask, what is the author saying? What's being, what's being communicated and how does, how do those verses uh, really apply? And um, the other thing I would say is that there is a meaning that the original audience understood. There is a I mean, there's something going on there, but the original audience didn't have the whole Bible. Mm. So we have the benefit of backing up a little bit. And and while there was a an immediate application for that verse, there's also a wider context that we have the privilege of, of uh, stepping into and really understanding. And so we can apply that text uh, in light of the rest of Scripture. Oh, that is so good. That is so helpful. Um, we're going to talk about some very specific verses that you might often hear or actually be tempted to use out of context from time to time. One of them comes from Matthew chapter 7, um, which we know is a part of the larger Sermon on the Mount. Um, the words are, judge not, lest ye be judged. Yeah, how is that um, maybe misused um, in the culture today? And then how is it rightly understood in its context? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Oh, 
We're talking with Pastor Daryl Crouch. You can find him at everyoneswilson.org. We're talking about um, some verses of Scripture, passages of, passages of Scripture that um, many are tempted to take out of context and, you know, wield in the culture in conversations um, and do so in ways that, um, you know, just doesn't fit with what the passage means in its in its context in Scripture. So one of those comes from Matthew chapter 7. It's the very first verse, judge not lest ye be judged. Um, Daryl, what's the larger context of that teaching? Right. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount there, and uh, Jesus is is giving a, a series of uh, admonitions. Uh, the Beatitudes are in this in this space. It's in the same converse. It's not a conversation, but it's a it would be a sermon, but in the same setting. And um, one of the things that we find that Jesus is very apt to do, or was a very um, apt to do was to to push back against the religious elites that were um judging being we would we would say we would use the word judgmental that that there was a a, a condescension toward other people who did not observe the religious statutes as they did and um you know as a pastor when I read Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, I'm I'm just assuming he's talking to me. You know, like I uh, I just you know those of us who have a Bible and kind of think we know our way around it and are really comfortable in religious settings and so on, we get really um, insulated sometimes, and um, sometimes our thinking becomes distorted. And if we're not careful, um, that can become very toxic as we relate to other people. And certainly the religious leaders in Jesus's day uh, were very steeped in the political environment, the social environment, the economic benefits of their role. And so uh, in that context, Jesus was saying, listen, I, I, I think it's really important that you understand that uh, before you start trying to fix everybody else, you may want to take a mirror out and, uh, and examine your own heart. And he goes on to say in that passage, uh, how can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your own eye and there's a log in uh, in yours. And um, there's this two by four in my own eye. So he's really calling for self-inspection and self-examination here. But what he's not doing is saying we we shouldn't be wise or we shouldn't render judgment on sin or we shouldn't um, discern good from evil. And certainly, again, the context of the Sermon on the Mount, even, and certainly the wider message of the scripture, Jesus came to die for our sins. And so for us to make light of sin or sinfulness would not be anything that Jesus would be suggesting here. He is saying in our relationship with other people, it's really important that we have a humble posture and that we um, approach people uh, with a sense that we are beggars who have found bread and uh, we want to give that away. And uh, so he uses this term in verse five called hypocrite, which means a, a two-faced, um, a hypocrite was a play actor. And in that day, rather than having a whole cast and crew, uh, one actor may play several parts in a in a in a drama presentation in a play, but they would put on different masks depending on what character they were playing. It was the same person, same actor, but different faces. 
And so this is what John Bunyan referred to as Mr. I think Mr. Two-Face or Mr. Double Face. I can't remember now. Uh, Mr. Facing Both Ways, whatever that is. But <laughs> but uh, the the point is, is that um, this this notion that we can be one way with our brother and a different way with the Lord uh, is really um, uh, hypocritical. And so uh, Jesus was really saying, I need you to bear down into your own character and really give most attention to that. Uh, but what he's not saying is, hey, we don't, we never render judgments. Uh, certainly we render judgments. And uh, we we do that in the context of the redeeming work of God and our responsibility, our fellow man. And we see this in the civil society. We see this in uh, parenting. We see this in every uh, sphere of life that judgments have to be made. Uh, so it's just important that we, again, back up and ask bigger questions and uh, not not just, um, uh, well, it's called eisegesis, where we're, we're, we're imposing our, our personal views on the text before we ever get to the text. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, very, it's very dangerous, and it leads us away from the Lord rather than to Him. So we could um we could unpack a lot of verses of scripture in the same way that um we just gave you know very particular attention to Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 um Philippians 4:13 comes to mind I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me often taken out of context Jeremiah 29:11 maybe the most often taken out of context like at graduation um I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans um for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope, um, you know, and then, and then nobody mentions verse 12, uh, you know, you call upon me, you come, you pray to me, and I will hear you, seek me and find me, um, seek me with your whole heart. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't often compliment um, yeah. the declaration uh, with the, uh, with what's required, uh, or, or Revelation 3.20 would be another one, maybe that stands out in my mind, Um you often hear people refer to this picture of Jesus, you know, like standing uh, and knocking on the door. Um, what What is Jesus knocking on the door of in the context of Revelation 3.20? Because it's not what we often presume it to be um, in the culture today. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not really an evangelistic uh, verse, although. Jesus does say uh, in the Gospels, you know, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. And th- there's a lot of places that we can we can be very evangelistic. But here he's talking to the church at Laodicea and who have abandoned him and um, done a lot of things and to walk away from him. And he's um, he's appealing to uh, God's people and he's saying, "Listen, I need you to pay attention. Um, I-, I want you to receive my discipline." It's it's um it's a corrective it's a corrective passage um that is um appealing and really asking us to to return to him and uh so yeah i think sometimes um again good intentions are are what they are and we should you know um celebrate that where we can but i think being true to the text is um it gives us a, um, a fruitfulness and allows us to to really understand and know the heart of God and uh, walk with Him in intimacy. Uh, I, again, I, I think about it in 
in personal terms, Carmen, that uh, you and I have a conversation and we really want to be understood. We, we really want to, to, for the other person to know what we're trying to say. And sometimes uh, we're very, we're not very good listeners. And so um, your, your attention to this this morning is calling us as a people of God to be good listeners. We can't hear from God if we don't treat the text with the kind of attention that it deserves. And uh, so this intimacy that we desire uh, can't be uh, found uh, when we're uh, cavalier with the text or when we presume upon the text or when we don't frankly uh, study the text. Uh, many of us, and again, I don't want to sermonize here, but we, we receive a lot of content during the day, whether through social media or news feeds or, or whatever it may be. And we're catechized by that. We're discipled by that. Um, it's really important, and the attention you're giving today is really important, that we, that we, we give ourselves to the study of the Scripture, of the Word of God, uh, that it may catechize us, that it may, we may be di- discipled by the Scripture, and then uh, our life in the public square and in the p- spaces that God's given to us, um, uh, his, his life is pressed out through us. But otherwise, we're just going to find ourselves using the Scripture as trinkets around our necks rather than as life for our for our very bones. And so, um, anyway, I appreciate you mm. giving me that freedom this morning. Yeah, thank you um so much. One of the one of the conversations I remember having surrounding um this passage in Revelation chapter 3 and again just being reminded that this verse is um directed toward the church and Jesus is standing on the outside of the door. Um and I remember um this person who was teaching the passage said, "I want you just to imagine, you know, here like Jesus is the bridegroom." He's standing at the door, and his beloved is now behind that closed door with some lesser love. Yeah, and and if we and if we can allow ourselves to recognize, you know, the reality that the church itself is the bride of Christ, and we are individually members of it. So there mm-hmm. is a personal component to it, but only um, only as we are individually members of the larger body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and that is. Um, you know, that's the context of of the verse. So, so helpful. Um, thank you, as always, Daryl, for just the free-flowing conversation. Appreciate you and um, want to, again, direct people to everyoneswilson.org if you want to be impacting your local community and city. No one's, um, no one's doing it better in terms of connecting the dots um, between Christians in a community to bring a real difference to the people Um, in the community. So everyoneswilson.org. Daryl, thanks so much. Uh, Thanks so much, Carmen. Appreciate all you're doing. Absolutely. We'll go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you to um, each and every one of you checking in this morning on the text line. Again, 877-933-2484. And you say to yourself, yeah, I don't really need to check in with Carmen. You know what? If you don't check in, then I worry about you. So thank you, Rick, for checking in today. You didn't check in yesterday, and I uh, I was a little worried. So there you go. Thank you so much um, for the times that you check in. And 
Let me know your um let me know you're listening, where you are, what's happening. Good morning to David, who is up and Adam early on behalf of the U.S. Postal Service today. Um, thank you for um, the way that you pray for each house as you deliver the mail. Um, I'm so grateful and thankful for your steadfast love for the people of your community. Mary, thank you for checking in. Mary says her focus today is Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. Proverbs 2, 2 to 5, brought to you by Mary, who is uh, checking in on the text line this morning. Um, you know, I'm I'm noting here as I as I scan the text line, like people check in um, at all hours of the day and night, and many of them with um, prayer concerns, um, life situations that are truly unbearable. Were they to try to bear them alone? And so let's be bearing up with one another today in prayer. Um, thank you so much to a friend checking in from uh, Canada this morning. Good morning to our northern neighbors. Um, I hope that all the cold weather is is doing inside the maple trees what is necessary for the maple syrup to be really good next year. There you go. That'll be my um, thankfulness for, for cold weather. Um, Axios is reporting this morning that the Biden administration, through its Department of Health and Human Services, is contemplating asking for a declaration of a public health emergency on abortion in America. Now, if you were to tell me that, and then you were to say they actually regard abortion as a public health emergency, then I would say yes and amen. But that's not what's going on here. Um, we talked yesterday about the PRO Act having passed um, hurdles in the state of Minnesota. Um, it's now been signed into law by the governor of Minnesota. Elections have consequences, and sometimes those consequences are deadly. And they will be now for unborn children in Minnesota. So what the what HHS has in mind here is not the public health emergency of abortion, by which I would say, you know, some 20% or more of pregnancies are terminated in America. That's not the public health emergency being addressed. The public health emergency that they would like to see declared is that not enough people have enough access of different varieties at different times for various reasons to abortion in America. They view that as the public emergency. Um, a full-scale reproductive health crisis is what abortion advocates are are calling it now that there are some states in the union that are um, restricting abortion um, to particular times and particular methodologies and for particular reasons. So just know that this is... Um, happening, you you know, use this as an opportunity to pray today. Um, I would expect that if the Biden administration pursues this, there will be a legal challenge to it in court. Um, so I, what I wanted to make you aware because it, it is going to be shooting across the headlines today out there in, in the world. Hey, next up, Mark Terman. He's joining us. Um, he's from the Denison Forum, but he's also notably today from the great state of Texas. And for some inexplicable reason, today is National Texas Day. Why? I don't know. But, you know, we're going to welcome Mark and uh, celebrate Texas. No, no. We're going to talk about the headline news and life expectancy. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Come and build your kingdom. 
good morning uh, today to our friend Mark Terman from the Denison Forum, but he is also from the great state of Texas. And so, Mark, happy National Texas Day. Yeah, I I was thinking that every day was National Texas Day, but okay, if you want to say that this one's special, that's fine with me. Good morning. So um, I feel like uh, that on National Texas Day, um, everyone in Texas should give a pretty hearty nod to everyone in Tennessee. And and that's because so many of us came from there. Is that why? No, because we came and defended you. Well, that yeah, too. When the, when the War of Texas Independence broke out in 1835, the volunteers showed up. I mean, you know. Uh-huh. Yes, Davy yeah, Crockett yeah, and many yeah, others. Yes, absolutely. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> um, I'm putting in my order for some kolaches. I'm not a super big fan of the ones that are like sweet, but I love the savory kolache, like especially maybe one that has a little bit of jalapeno and cheese in there or like a piece of smoked sausage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, can, we had. Do you have a yes, kolache had, hookup? I, yes, just down the road, uh, mm-hmm. just at, at West. You need not not West Texas, as in the region of West Texas, but in the community of West, which is just south of Dallas. Some of the best kolaches you can find right on I thirty five. Of course, you know half the state is on I thirty five with you at any <laughs> given time. But uh, <laughs> yes, stop in West. So, so get a lot of kolaches so that when you're yes. stuck on I thirty five, you have something. Uh, legit to share. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah. and if you get a little so bit hungry good. later, make sure you stop at Whataburger. Because yeah, or well, I was going to say Bucky's and get some brisket. Well, Bucky's is great. Bucky's is great. Brisket's great, but you know we're big on on uh, burgers, especially Whataburgers and Dr mm-hmm. Pepper. So yeah, we're big <laughs> on go. all that. Oh, and we're friendly. Yeah, and we're known yeah, that's what the absolutely. word Texas means friend. Yeah, Texas absolutely. means friend. So we're trying to be friends to everybody. Really, Texas yes. means friend. That's what the word means. Yes. Oh, I love that. Now, see, now I feel like I have learned something significant today about Texas. So thank you so much. All right. Quick shout out to people from Texas uh, checking in. Marion Darwin in Victoria. Good morning. Cindy in Spring. Good morning. Yeah. If you're listening in Texas this morning, let us know. Uh, Good morning to Texas. Yeah. My daughter lives in Spring, so I hope she's listening as well. So. All right. Fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about uh, life expectancy. I appreciated um, Jim's post about why he changed his sermon this last Sunday. The, con- the, the conversation about life expectancy could go in a lot of different directions. Um, but let's talk about matters of life and death. Just bring this forward for us. Wow. So we're jumping. We, we, we switch gears in a big way, right? From friendly state to brevity of life. But uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of the things that we all know in some intuitive way, and sometimes it comes rushing to the front of our mind like it did for Jim and for others perhaps uh, on Sunday uh, or even yesterday. Um, But we all know that we're not guaranteed even the next breath, much less the next hour or the next year or the next decade. That's just part of what it means to be a human being. And fortunately, many of us live in pretty safe environments. And we have some pretty reasonable expectation that uh, we will get to make it through this day and probably a lot longer, but there is no guarantee of that. And Jim's article illustrated that from uh, earlier this week that on Sunday, uh, a family learned that their 36-year-old son died suddenly while he was working out in the West Texas oil field. And uh, just so tragic. And 
those kinds of things happen all the time. Uh, when I was talking with Jim about this earlier this week, that happened in my own family 30 years ago. We'll mark that date uh, in just a couple of weeks. My father was sitting in his uh, in his Lazy Boy recliner about to watch the last game of the NCAA Final Four, looked at my mother, said something, and breathed one last breath, and he was gone. Mm. And many of our listeners probably have that same kind of story of someone that they know, someone that they love. And that's just part of what it is to be alive in a broken planet like ours. And that just calls for the urgency of having your life and your relationship with God right and having your faith in Christ as the one who has defeated death and has given us the only real answer to death, which is eternal life in and through him. First of all, um, you know, Mark, thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, your own testimony. We've talked a lot this week, actually, about sudden loss and um, and how we cope and process with sudden loss. And um, we're all, like, we all know that death comes. We We certainly know it comes for others. I'm not sure that everyone really takes into account like their own mortality. When we talk about life expectancy, a lot of us have, you know, like all kinds of expectations about life and we do a lot of future planning. Um, but every single one of those plans is subject to, um, you know, God giving us the breath and the day required, uh, you know, for the living of that particular day. Like he, he alone knows um, how many days um, each and every one of us will have. And so, uh, let me just encourage you as you're listening today, um, have the conversations today that need to be had. Call the people who need to be called. Um, make reconciliation with those you need to be reconciled to. Forgive those who need forgiveness. Um, you may have all kinds of expectations for life, but none of us knows how many days we have. But if you have this day, then make the most of it. Um and as a Christian, you know, I, I just remind you, you know, our life expectancy is that we're we're already dead, right? We're going to live forever. So let's be also focused on um, preparing ourselves to live forever in the fullness of the presence of God and allow the things of this world when necessary to become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with Mark, Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. You know the number of my days To come paint your pictures on the canvas in my head And come write to wisdom Continuing our conversation with our friend Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. You can find uh, Mark and all that we're talking about today at denisonforum.org. The links will also be included in the show notes for today's program. So hope you are subscribed to Mornings with Carmen as a podcast, because wherever you get your podcast is where you get your show notes. So there you go. 
Uh, Mark, what is manifesting? What is manifesting? And how do we train ourselves to discern it? Yeah, manifesting uh, affirmation, affirmations is also another term for this, which is if you be- if you believe it strong enough, then it will be, essentially. It is that idea that if I can think it, then I can make it happen. And uh, there's some of that in the news these days. Some people base it on astrology and zodiac signs. Some people base it perhaps on uh, a misreading and misapplying of scripture. But it's the idea that if I just believe it strong enough, if I say it to myself often enough, if I believe it, then I can make it happen. So, um, you know, from an evangelical Christian perspective, I will describe this as the name it and claim it version of uh, of the gospel. Um, yes. Talk with talk with us about like how we can identify it, because I sure would like to believe that. I would like to believe that you know whatever I declare you know, it will be, but I, I am not actually God. So it doesn't actually work that way. My declarations, I mean, you know, if I say, let there be light, uh, it, it doesn't um, bring uh, light out of darkness, right? It does, that does not happen that way. It happens for God that way. Um, but I am not God. Talk with us about the, the, the risk, the danger, the, the caution here. Yeah. And, and yes, we cannot, uh, speak things into existence that don't exist like God does, except to the extent that we can talk to our home speaker, right? Alexis or Google, <laughs> maybe that uh, fools us a little bit, but uh, we know that God does make us promises. There are hundreds of promises in the scripture and we're grateful for that, but that doesn't mean that we can dictate when God fulfills those promises. He has his own purpose, his own plan and his own sovereignty about when, where, and how those promises will come true. He promises that I will be in heaven with him either when he comes or when I die, but he's the one that determines what the schedule of that promise and its fulfillment will be. And we have to remember that we cannot obligate God to do anything on our timetable. And if somebody is teaching us or preaching to us that we have the ability to do that, I think we're misreading and misapplying scripture. God is the creator. God is the king, and we are his children and his followers, his citizens. We have to remember that he's not doing our bidding. We are the ones following him. And anytime it seems that we have turned that over, then we have to be very cautious. We need to move away from that kind of of, as you said, name it and claim it. The Bible never, ever teaches that kind of of theology and belief and practice. However, I do believe that Christians ought to be very confident and very hopeful. They ought to be the people who believe the best things about any given day and any given situation, because we do believe that God redeems all that he allows or sins. We pray for miracles with confidence and with hope, but without this sense that God will do our bidding. Um, I think that is a uh, that's a really helpful way of understanding that. When I think about um, this, these affirmations or this manifestation theology, um, I I find myself heading pretty quickly into passages of scripture where um, God, you know. God leads me to find my rest in him, um, calls me to abide in Christ. Um, if I'm abiding in Christ, I am not the one dictating uh, 
when the growth happens, how much growth happens, which direction I grow, what kind of fruit is produced, like all of that is um, subject to what the vine wants to do, who the vine is and what the vine wants to do. And so I I try to um, answer sort of the uh, do my bidding temptation with uh, the call to abide in Christ. Absolutely. And, you know, Jesus told us, you know, hey, a good parent would never give their child a scorpion or a stone, right? Good fathers know how to get, have, give good gifts to their children. And if we believe this teaching of the scripture that comes through so strongly that God is our perfect father, he knows what we need and what we want, and he knows it better than we do. And he knows when, where, and how those things should be uh, put into our life, as you said, like a vine supplying its branches in the most appropriate way. But God knows a lot more than we do. He sees everything from beginning to end at every moment because he doesn't live in time. And so our Father knows better than we do what should come into our life at any moment. And when we can trust that in a relationship, not in a transaction where we would go and uh, offer God something in terms of our time or our attention or our money so that he would in turn give us something. That's a that's a religion of transaction. We don't have that with God. We have a relationship of trust in which we say to him, God, yes, you've told me that I can ask. You've told me that I can bring my requests, my needs, my hopes, my wants to you, but always in a humility that says, God, you know whether or not these things are the best for me. You also know the best time when they should come to me, and I'm going to trust you with all of that. I'm going to ask God for things that really aren't in my best interest, and I'm going to ask God to cancel those when that happens, and I'm going to ask God to bring those things that are, in his opinion, in his view, the right things at the right time. I want to lift up um, something that is addressed in this piece. Again, I'm I'm reading from the Denison Forum. I'm um, I'm reading a piece by Mark Legg, um, and it'll be in the show notes today. But you know, in here, one of the things he talks about, Mark, is that f- nearly forty percent of U.S. adults under thirty say they believe in astrology, um, and and I, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about horoscopes. I want to talk about palm reading. I want to talk about um, the kinds of things that people are turning to that are absolutely pagan. Um, and yet these are people who will say that because they are, uh, you know, have a, have a scientific mindset, they're not open to conversations about putting their faith in Jesus Christ or um, a virgin birth or a man rising from the dead. But they are willing to put their faith in uh in, in in a pagan system of astrology, can you can you help me understand that? Yeah, I think it fits into this uh, this line of thinking that we hear often in various circles, which is, well, I'm spiritual, not religious, and that idea is not necessarily bad on the face of it. I would say it's people recognizing that there is something bigger and something beyond. Uh, what we can see and feel and touch. And it's interesting how people seem to vacillate back and forward between this idea that there is something spiritual about human beings and about life, but then they will immediately pivot back to, well, I'll, I'll only trust what I can see and touch and measure and understand 
in a scientific manner or equation. But people who are trusting in these pagan practices, you know, the, the idea of the zodiac, of astrology, is the idea that our lives are somehow tied to the movement of the planet and the stars. That's people in many ways, going back thousands of years even, saying our lives must be connected to something that's bigger than what we experience in any given moment or any given day. And that longing is something that God put into us. The Bible says that God placed eternity in our hearts. God placed in us a longing, or as has said, been said many times, that there is a God-sized vacuum in every person's heart that can only be satisfied by the true and living God. And we're, we're in, enormously capable of, of being idol worshipers. We create things with our own hands and with our own ideas as substitutes for God, rather than humbling ourselves in an honest and authentic faith and saying, God, reveal yourself to me. God, show yourself to me. And he's done that, Carmen. He's done that through creation. He's done that through his word. He's done that most completely through Jesus. And I believe he continues to do that through the working of his church. God has revealed himself and he will reveal himself to any person who responds in that longing of their heart to say, God, I humbly ask you, show me who you are, show me your reality. And God, I know it has to be beyond anything that I can see or touch in this world. It has to be beyond anything I could manufacture with my own hands or out of my own mind. Mm, so good. So good. All right. For more of this, I'm going to direct you to denisonforum.org. Mark, um, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Great um, to be I'm with curious, you. Yeah, great to have you with us. Um, uh, love to hear what you're thinking about these things. Check in with me on the text line, 877-933-2484. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to talk about, well, the National Prayer Breakfast, what today is. Did you know that today, in addition to being other things, is also the Day of the Serpent? Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.